my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And when we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, the world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. But with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness out of the same mouth. Come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear free figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Father, as we come for your word, we recognize you are here. This is your word to us today, right here, right now. Not something from long ago, not something kind of like what you want, but your very word. We pray by you, Holy Spirit, that you would take this breakthrough, breakdown, and do a work in us this morning. That we could walk out of here different than we came in. Not because of anything I say, but because this is your word, the word of God, and that you, God, are here your Holy Spirit move in us and move us. And we commit ourselves to you in this. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. You know, words matter. Let me give you some examples from church bulletins of how the words we use can matter. Uh, let's start with the outreach committee has enlisted 25 visitors to make calls on people who are not afflicted with any church. I think they missed the wording there or what it should be. By the way, these are real, they happen in real bulletin type of thing. All right, number two, low self-esteem support group will meet Thursday, 7 to 8 30. Please use the back door. Okay. Ushers will eat latecomers. I think we're missing a letter there. Okay. Four. The third verse of Blessed Assurance will be sung without musical accomplishment. Again, not the right word. For those who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. Okay. Number six. Ladies, don't forget the rummy sale. It is a good chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. Okay, yeah. Seven, next Thursday there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. I don't really think that's what they meant, but okay. 
Barbara C. remains in the hospital and needs a blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermons. Okay. Nine, Diana and Don request your presence at their wedding. Again, not the right word. Ten, Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. Oh, that's just not good. Uh, Mr. Bradford was elected and has accepted the office of head deacon. We could not get a better man. Depends on how you want to take that. Uh, A cookbook is being compiled by the ladies of the church. Please submit your favorite recipe. Also a short antidote. Okay. Potluck, supper, Sunday at 5 p.m. Prayer and medication to follow. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our church and community. Again, missing the words here. One more for you. Don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. Uh, The words we use are important. The wrong words can completely change the meaning because every, and we got to get this today, every word matters. In fact, that's the message of James here in chapter 3. We say in this part, every word matters. James had previously been talking about the importance of works, but now he's talking about the importance of words, our very words that count. We need to live our life like every word matters because, as our first point, we need to grasp that our tongue determines the direction of our life. Our tongue determines the direction of our life. And James starts out in verse 1, and hopefully you have your Bibles open. In James chapter 3, verse 1, he starts out talking about teachers. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teachers have more accountability, judge more closely for a variety of reasons, including what they're going to be judged for. Their very words, every word that deals with the tongue which sets the direction, uh, what they say, sets the direction of lives that are listening, but it also sets the direction of their very life. Now, it's likely that most of you understand, at least at some level, that teachers are to be held more accountable. We've heard it, or it just makes sense that those who are going to teach about this are going to be held more accountable by the words that they say. But the main point that James is making here is not about teachers. What he is making is leading us into chapter 3, the reality that we are all going to be judged for every word and not just those who are teachers. In fact, Jesus speaks very plainly to that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word you have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. So how are you doing? Do you think you're pretty good? Are you living a fairly good Christian life? Have you got it together for the most part? The answer to that question can be found in chapter 3, verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Not stumbling in what we say at all. How are we doing with that? You see, what James is trying to say is that the tongue shows our true total spiritual condition of the whole man. If you control the mouth, you control the man. 
what comes off of our lips shows whether our life is heading in the right direction as a mature, complete Christian. James gives the illustration of how this smallest part of the body gives direction to the whole course of life as we look on to verse 3 now. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. This small just bit in the mouth, uh, let alone the bridles, these, these small things can move a whole big animal in a certain direction. This is a small thing, determines and, and moves it in a certain direction. Another example in, chap, in verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You think about this small thing setting the direction of something so big, of the course of our whole life. You think about a huge ship. You see that cruise ships of the day, by the way, that just kind of a conglomeration picture is not real in a sense. The boat in the front is the Titanic. Uh, so you have some idea of size back then versus what's going on right now. And these huge, huge ships. Are set in a direction. By basically compared to the ship. A small rudder. Some of those bigger ones might have two or three with a motor, more than one motor, but it's just a small little rudder sets the direction for the ship. Not just the direction for the ship, but it sets that direction for that huge ship, as it says here, that's caught in the big, strong, harsh, and violent winds. Not just directing the ship normally, but directing even through the violent winds is all through this one little peace our tongue is that rudder that sets the direction for our life and unfortunately it's not always going the right way it's not always going god's way look at verse seven on down to verse seven all kinds of animals birds reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man you hear people say well you know i I can't always control what I say. I can't help it. I mean, some things just come out. It just happens. I don't have... First off, in chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. His religion is worthless. So saying that I just can't help it, I can't do that. He's saying, hey, will you do, do all this? The statement's not true. I mean, how many of us have ever been in a situation we are, where we are loudly discussing at someone? You know what I mean? We say it's not really loudly discussing, right? Uh, but we're loudly discussing at someone, and we've got some choice words that have come to our mind that we're about to say, and those choice words are about to come out, and the phone rings. Hello, Connors. How can I help you? Uh, you know what? We do have control, so to speak. There's something there. We need to realize that people show that we can zip our lips. And as Christians, 
We need to recognize that as Christians, we have become new creations. And when you are a new creation, you were given a new tongue and a zipper, so to speak, that we don't always use. Because we represent the kingdom of God. By our very words, we are called to be different. We are called to be holy. But sometimes we say, that's just so hard to do in the hard times of life. How can I keep my mouth from saying, I mean, but it's saying, hey, listen, this rudder directs the ship in the strong winds. It still controls. And somehow I think that, that we make the excuse, well, I know what the Bible says, but in my case... It doesn't really apply. How many times do we hear that about different things? It says it, and yes, it's truth, and that is true, but it's not really true for me in this case because they just don't understand how hard things are. I don't understand what's really going on. Uh, Maybe what we don't understand is who James is talking to. We've talked about it in chapter 1. Maybe we've forgotten that who James is talking to are Christians, are Christians who are going through life-threatening persecution and life changing hardships as bad as 2020 has been it's nothing compared to what the people that james is talking to is going through and i know it's been bad and we say oh it's just i just got worn down from everything my emotions are thin my patience is even thinner and when some people just say i just not i just feel like i I, it's not that i'm not strong enough i just don't even care what i say anymore Uh, it doesn't matter but jesus still cares and it still matters to jesus in fact every word matters every word determines the direction of our life how many here like orange juice they like orange juice let me see some hands all right all right and what a great time to be an orange juice lover you know, the fall, especially up here in, in the north part, it's a great time to be because there's just so much orange juice available. I mean, we were just at, uh, uh, well, they really didn't have Apple Fest, but, you know, kind of like it. We went over there yesterday just to see how things were happening in Franklin and, and just, you know, apples everywhere, you know, and it's just exciting to be able to get some orange juice, at, especially, you know, this time of year with the apple. Some of you are looking funny. Well, you know, isn't this the way it works? Isn't that, isn't that where you get orange juice from? No, obviously it's a fake picture. It doesn't work that way. What it is is what comes out of it. In fact, verse 12 in our passage here, verse 12, My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water, neither can an apple tree produce orange juice, if you will. We don't see apples on a tree and call it an orange tree. Whatever's on the tree tells you what kind of tree it is. And so the fruit of our lips determines what kind of tree we are. What is coming out of our lips shows what kind of life we really have. This is not my words, but Jesus' words. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. 
You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. I think there are people in churches that believe that you can somehow be hybrid Christians, kind of half and half. You know, I'm, I'm going to be orange and apple. I'm going to just kind of, but it's kind of a Frankenstein looking thing, which is kind of the way it is out of those who call themselves believers. And yet what is coming out of their mouth, you wouldn't believe. What does our tongue reveal about the direction of our life? Every word matters. And we need to grasp that it determines not only the direction, but we need to grasp our tongue determines the destruction in others' lives. Let's go back to verse 5. Verse 5 is likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. By a small spark. Obviously, we've seen the news, uh, the destruction of the forest fires out west, wiping out homes, wiping out life itself. And we've come to know that one of those fires, uh, how it started, it's, you know, tens of thousands of acres, not the only thing, but one of those fires was started from a party where they were revealing, an expecting couple was revealing whether they're going to have a boy or a girl. They would do that by a small, you know, smoke bomb kind of thing that just would show blue this is going to be a boy but that just that little bit of smoke created this huge forest fire massive destruction like they they weren't lighting a fire I'm sure that it, it, it didn't make sense that all this could come from this. It was just a little bit of colored smoke. And yet that colored smoke turned into a giant cloud that made its way all the way over to New York City. That's the way it works. That's the reason for this warning here. What he's talking about is how our tongue starts a fire that quickly gets out of control as in a rumor or spreading of gossip throughout a congregation, throughout a community, throughout the years, destroying so much. It's amazing the amount of destruction that can take place because of some two-ounce muscle in the mouth. You hear people all the time saying, well, I know, but I just don't get it. I don't understand why they're making such a big deal of it. All of us, I just said a few little words. It wasn't like I just went on and on. I didn't really, it wasn't that bad. It was just a few little words. And the point is, what you said that didn't seem that bad or that big sparked a fire that destroyed the relationship that will take years to go back, if it will, at all. We say, well, but, but it was just a slip of the tongue. It was just a, a, a slip of the tongue. I, I had good intentions. I didn't mean to say that. I, I, just, I, didn't, I just didn't think. And all those are excuses that are too late because the fire and the force is already burning. 
Here's the thing with those fires in California, and we hear about them every year. We know that they start. It, this one seems to be bigger. These, these seem to be bigger this year. But one of the things we don't realize that we won't see around here is one of the reasons that they have these fires like this is that the vegetation has spent much of the summer slowly drying out because of the lack of rainfall and the warmer temperatures that they experience. And so the vegetation just serves as a highly combustible kindling for fires that can just burn quickly and then not stop, just keep on going. We never know the words that we're using are going to put a spark, just a spark, on someone who is already dry spiritually, dry in some other ways. We never know what we're going to say when we say that to that person, that that person is somebody who is ready to go up in flames quickly. And it's not their fault. They're not the ones with the spark. They're not the ones who started it. It doesn't ignore the, the fact that Proverbs, you know, you think about Proverbs 16, verse 27, a worthless man plots evil. His speech is like a scorching fire. Speech, like a scorching fire. Yes, there are those who, who say, well, I'm just speaking the truth and they're the wounds of a friend. And yet the reality is oftentimes we say, I'm just stating the truth. It's not the truth. It's what's true to you in that moment is true. What you are feeling, that's not truth from God. More often than not, what we end up saying to someone and righteously so thinking we're saying is really just a reaction of our flesh, of our humanness, and not a response from the Holy Spirit of God coming out of our mouth. So often, what makes a relationship so combustible that seems to go up so quickly is that it has been dried out from not having love raining on it. Instead, so much else is going on to dry it out. I mean, let's just think about in, in some of the problem areas in relationships. How many of us have ever thought about setting our boss's house on fire? Now, I, I don't, I, you don't really need to answer that. But the real question is how many have done it? How many have set your boss's house on fire? How many have set that nibby neighbor's house on fire? How many have sent how many of you have set on fire that relative of yours that you really just can't stand and oh nobody else can either? Have you set their houses on fire? No, I would never do that. I would and for many of you, you would never even think about doing that, and yet we do it all the time as we spiritually set ablaze the homes, the relationships of those people in our lives that we're having trouble with by our fiery words burning the home from the inside, destroying relationships. In James chapter 3 here, verse 8, let's move on. But no, one, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It is literally full, completely full of a deadly poison. Like a snake venom, our mouth bites down and releases a deadly poison in what we say. All kinds. So from hateful, backbiting, fault-finding, bitter, sarcastic words, complaining, off-colored talk, profanity. These and more are the sins of the tongue that are not only poisoning others, but poisoning our own life. 
which is not surprising because some are just bitter, prideful, arrogant, self-absorbed. Someone even say, I, I, I don't care. I'm going to say whatever I want, and I don't care who it hurts. That is not the statement of a Christ follower. This is here, though. In Ephesians 4, verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Who here today needs to commit these verses to memory? It's time for us to wake up. As verse 8 says, the tongue is a restless, uncontrolled evil. Go back to verse 6. Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world, a cosmos of evil among the parts of the body. It's huge. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. That is the direction and is itself set on fire by hell. We need to wake up. These are not just incidental, accidental slip-ups of our tongue. They are words inflamed by the devil himself. What is coming out of our mouth is coming out of the pit. I'm not saying that. It says it right here. The whole course of life set on fire and is itself, speaking of the tongue, is itself set on fire by hell. We need to wake up that Satan, the deceiver, the liar, the murderer, the accuser of the brethren is using us. Our words, both spoken and written. To be able to see that what is coming from our tongue is not coming from God. In fact, it is coming against God. Look at verses 9 through 11 here in chapter 3. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Cursing. Should I be coming from the same mouth? We're just praising God. Because in one moment we say we're for God, but in the next moment we are against God when we are against His people. When we speak that against that which has been made in His image. This cursing He's talking about is not about just using some four-letter word and cussing. It is about cursing. It is about negative, critical talk. It is about wishing something bad and not good on someone. You know what Jesus is saying? Whatever you said to the least of these, you said to me. That's not usually what we hear, but that's in all of this saying there in the verses. Whatever you said to the least of these, that's what you've said to me. Or let's put it another way from Jesus. You mess with my family, you mess with me. Every word matters. 
How many of us at some point in time have said something that we've regretted that turned out badly? The tongue is dangerous. The tongue is destructive. And God does have a plan for putting out the fire through forgiveness. God does have a plan of growing back the relationship after a fire through reconciliation. God can bring beauty from ashes, but how do we do that? We look at verse 7, all kinds of animals and reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. We tame animals like uh, you think about lion tamers. It's a tongue. Let's pick one and, you know, an animal will be like a lion, you know, wild. But the lion tamer in that cage is there surrounding that has the lions under control, a whip and a chair. But that's not going to help to control our tongue. You know, what we need to do is to stop the guilty crying and constantly being sorry for what we said. Sorry doesn't suddenly unburn something. Sorry doesn't stop the fire from continuing to burn. Besides the fact that that's obviously not a godly sorrow because it hasn't led to repentance and change. You keep doing it. You keep saying it. It only takes a spark, only a single word to bring about a destruction that just sweeps across. You can't take it back. I pray that the Spirit of God would fall heavily upon our hearts in this moment, especially for some, to experience the deep conviction and correction of the Holy Spirit to be upon us and to change us, to stop the path of destruction that our tongue is creating and the direction that we are heading. There's a sense that we could say, only you can prevent relationship fires. Or can you? Or can you? How much different does it make in promising to change? I'll try harder. I'll read some self-help books. Is that working? We might read the books. We might hear messages about taming the tongue. But we can't do it. We can't seem to control it. We can't restrain it for long. No matter how much willpower we put into it. Why? Why? Because that's exactly what God's already told us here in verse 8. What God tells us in verse 8 that we, for some reason, choose to ignore in our own religious, man-made, help-yourself kind of thinking. Look at verse 8. starts out with this. But no man, no human can tame the tongue. No human can tame the tongue, but we're talking about it. We're thinking about how do we do it and all those things. And then it says very clearly, no one can tame the tongue. No one can do it. In part because the real issue is not about our tongue, but it's at a deeper level. It's about our heart. It's a heart problem. Jesus says very clearly, let's go back to some passage that I read just a little bit ago of Matthew chapter 12 and look at the part that all I did was just underline one part that Jesus says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We like to say, well, I didn't mean what I said. It wasn't me talking. It was a situation of something just hadn't happened in that moment. I got emotional. I lost it for a second. It just slipped out. 
But the reality is for you and for me, ultimately, it did not just slip out of our mouth. It slipped out of our heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is our heart problem, not just a mouth problem, so to speak. When our mouth speaks, our heart is showing. And just because we keep our mouth shut in that moment doesn't really mean anything. Because it's still showing that it's still saying it is in your heart. You get your mouth shut for one moment, but it didn't change your heart. That it's not right before God. No person can tame the tongue, but Jesus can. So what do good Christians do to get victory? Well, you just need to get into the word more. You just need to pray more. And that's what people are told. And that there are some good things about that and even some God things about that. But the reality is thousands upon thousands of Christians have sincerely tried to read the Bible more and pray more. And it hasn't changed anything. All too often it is just trying in our own religious man-made efforts to get holy and be different. When there is nothing that we can do but rather only the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit can tame the tongue. You might feel like getting your tongue under control is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It is only God's power that is greater than our tongue. So what do we need to do? First, admit our problem and admit that every word matters and that the destruction, the direction that we are on. Do you believe that your tongue is out of control? Do you believe that we are all fire starters? It's out of our control. Verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is perfect man. It's unfortunate in English it says we all stumble and that is at fault because both of those words are actually the words used for sin. We all sin in this Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, was before the presence of the Lord and said, I am a man of unclean lips. He was probably the best of the best at that time in Israel. And yet, what is the one thing he says? I'm a man of unclean lips. And he didn't say, but I'm going to really try hard and not be that. No. Got an angel and took a coal and touched his lips. God's fire burned out the unholy fire god changed his he can change us as we cry out as psalm 141 verse 3 says set a guard over my mouth lord keep watch over the door of my lips we need to trust jesus not just as our savior but as our sanctifier in other words the one who makes us holy and not walk away thinking you know what I can't do anything. I'm only human. Everybody has a problem. The tongue, I, I, you can't control the tongue. Stop. Stop the defeatist attitude. Stop the willful sin that so easily, quickly gives into the flesh. Stop the humanness of trying to be that good Christian that's not working and turn to Jesus Christ to surrender to His Lordship, to be the captain of our ship, so to speak. You know, we talked about this big ship that's controlled by a rudder, but that rudder is turned by the captain's wheel. Who's got control of your wheel, really? Because the direction that it's heading does not necessarily show that the direction is heading by the lips and what you say 
of your life does not show that Jesus is sitting there, is standing there. We need to surrender absolute control to him and be filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to move and work in us through every single word. And then we can get to what he's talking about here. Oswald Chambers says this. If a cup is filled with only good water, imagine I'm holding a glass and a cup is filled with only good water. It cannot spill even one drop of bitter water. No matter how badly it is jarred, I want you to think through this. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what slams into you, if it is full of good water, no matter how much your arm gets hit, no matter how much your life gets hit, what gets knocked out of this glass will not be bitter because it is filled with good water. Because it is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Let every word matter. Right now, here before Jesus, as we reach out to Him, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Ask that the worship team come. Father, we thank you for this moment and we thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. We ask your blessing upon this time and upon the bread. your body that was broken for us. We recognize upon that cross that you died not just to save us from the penalty of sin, but you died to save us from the power of sin over us. It does not have to have. You have unplugged it. You have defeated the enemy. But we are not living in that. We are not walking in your power so often. Jesus, help us. Forgive us in these moments, but may it be a recognition that repents and receives you, not just as our Savior, but Lord, Master, Captain. That you would turn the wheel and direct every word that comes out of our mouth. Holy Spirit, move in this time, drawing us closer to you. Move in us. If you would uh, take the bread that's in the bags there out. And that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat.